Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed, where we talk about family and consumer science education. This podcast is geared towards recruiting, maintaining, and supporting all FCS educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I am here to help boldly celebrate with you families and careers. All right. Hi, and welcome back. As always, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. And always just thank you for being here. Today, I have an awesome guest who is shifting schools across Washington State and soon a district near you. This awesome individual loves to partner with organizations in helping understand the changing nature of learning by working together in long-term embedded professional development that prepares us all for our future, not our past. He is a keynote speaker, conference master, and podcaster since 2008. I am introducing to you Jeff Utecht of Shifting Our Schools. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So good. Yeah, no, I love it. So first, thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so Jeff and I, just to give you a little bit of context, Jeff and I have never met. I was actually in my professional development in the last week of August preparing for school when my building lead shared the week's PD for our tier days. And that is when I saw Jeff's name on the list, which I became very excited about. Not to be <laughs> I'm a huge geek. I really am. So, and I'm not afraid to, <laughs> to share it. I'm, I'm becoming more, I guess, I guess more accepting of myself as we're getting older, you know, but I've, I've heard just such amazing things from various colleagues about his spring training that he put on, which was a complete game changer for them. So thank you for sharing your awesome tips, tricks, suggestions, because we teachers, we need it as we're you know, navigating this virtual and hybrid world with yeah. our students. Yeah. And I guess, you know, for better or for worse, this isn't my first time in, in a distance learning situation with school. So uh, you know, a quick background about my history is uh, I was a fourth grade teacher, still am at heart. Uh, although, you know, it's been quite a while since I've been in front of fourth graders. I spend most of my time in front of adults <laughs> now. Who, but this is the crazy thing, act like fourth graders. So it's pretty much the same, you know, especially teachers. But yeah, my wife and I actually ended up teaching overseas for 10 years. And it's that where, you know, we went into emergency. Did we, we were teaching at an international school in Saudi Arabia. And due to terrorism in that country, ended up going into emergency distance learning. And that was in 2002. And so this is the part that I struggle with, is that we're in a time and place where we have the most incredible tools to do this and to do it really well, to do it really well. And I want to talk about some of the reasons why we must do this now. But yeah, in 2002, we had a 56K dial-up modem, a flip phone. Like that's how we graduated seniors. Like there was no smartphone in 2002 and we still graduated kids. And then in 2005 or 2006, we were teaching in Shanghai, China, the Shanghai American School, and SARS broke out and we thought we were going to have to go remote. So we ramped up everything in the school. Now, 2006 is different. We had this little program called Moodle. Somebody might know Moodle, might remember Moodle I, back in I, the day. I, I oh yeah. Moodle was, was all the rage before yes. everybody else caught on. And so we had to ramp up all of our teachers. We started really focusing in on this idea of instructional videos, you know, but still 2006, you know, we're, we're a year away from an iPhone. We're no iPad yet. We were lucky enough that we were just at the, at the school we were at, we were just rolling out one-to-one. So we were going to have kids with laptops and we ended up not shutting down. We were waiting for the Chinese government to shut us down and, and it never happened. And then in 2009, we were teaching in Bangkok at the International School of Bangkok. 
And we kind of had like this craziness of there was the thousand year flood in downtown Bangkok. So all of downtown Bangkok was flooded. There was political unrest with going things going on politically. And then the H1N1 virus break out. <laughs> so all of a sudden, we have to ramp up into virtual school again. And for about a month and a half, we had kids in virtual school. And this is 2000, what time is this? 2009. So now we have the iPhones two years old. Mm-hmm. There's still no iPad. Our kids were one-to-one. So every one of our kids at that school had a MacBook. And so we were able to do some pretty cool stuff. All of our students have blogs. I just want you to think about this for a second. Every single student from kindergarten to 12th grade had a public facing blog, no password and no teacher checking it. And here's the crazy <laughs> part. Nothing bad went wrong. Oh, that's, but no, that, that's not. No, it can't, it can't happen, right? No. We always think about all this stuff. That's, so that's anyway, great. so you, you fast forward to 2020. And of course, I live in Seattle and where is the outbreak? Here. So the moral of the story is you don't follow me. Like wherever Jeff is, you just find the other part of the world and go there. And uh, yeah, the state reached out, the state of Washington reached out and said, hey, can you support us? And uh, long story short, we're just heading into September here where we've taken over 10,000 teachers across the state of Washington through our trainings, not including districts like, like your district and other districts across the state who I've worked individually with. And I'm hoping that in the conversation today, we've got a lot of data around what works in 2020, a year now where we have this thing called Zoom. We've got, you know, Schoology or Google Classroom. I mean, just the incredibleness Mm -hmm. of what we have to be able to do this really, really well and do it with the passion that is needed for families and kids. And I think that's really where where it's at. So yeah, so we've got a lot of data. Hopefully we'll get to share like what's the, and I'll try to, as we go through this, you you can help and remind me, Barbara, but there's this idea of like, is this data or is this research? Because sometimes I forget to say, now this is just data that we have about what's working versus this is research-based what we need to be doing. So, Yeah. Well, gosh, there's so much research-based, but there's also, it just doesn't seem like there's enough research-based on anything. Yeah. And and I think there's a couple things, a couple things, especially right now is that, I mean, the most of the research you find has to do with doing distance learning at the university level. And doing distance learning at the university level is a lot different than K-12 because you're paying for those classes. Yes. You're going to show up or you're going to do what needs to be done because you're paying a lot of money to go to that class. That's way different than trying to do this in K-12, which is why synchronous lessons don't work. If we want to get started somewhere, you can go, I can rant on ever about why you should not be doing any new content over a synchronous lesson. It doesn't work. Yeah. No, I love it. And so, gosh, I've only been, okay, so... When did school start for us? I think September 3rd. No, oh, you're about a week. Yeah, in. 3rd. I think September 3rd was my first day with students. So, you know, just to give you guys some context, you know, it is September 10th right now. So this is very fresh to me as I'm trying to navigate how I'm doing my synchronous teaching, learning. I'm learning right along with my kids. <laughs> so, and I teach high school. So, and but it is... As a military friend just told me, it is a Charlie Foxtrot. So, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Very much yeah. so. But no, it's been enlightening. It's been fun learning these things. But gosh, you have to share some of your tips on what you do because I love it. And I've taken your tips into my virtual classrooms mm-hmm. on how to do like the proper Zoom introductions and stuff like that. You've got to share some yeah. of that stuff. <laughs> so I think there's a couple of things, you know, especially, I mean, let's start with the synchronous side of things, yeah. right? And first of all, I think the first thing to understand, and, and this is research-based, that there is no research around synchronous 
content delivery with K-12 kids. And one of the worst things that we can do is believe and understand that when we are in our synchronous, and when I'm talking synchronous, I'm talking, right, this is where our time and space continuums match. And so we've got, you know, 35 kids in front of us or 150 kids in front of you, whatever your class size is. We need to understand that we have to use that time to the best of its ability. And we get so little of it. We really do. And I think there's, it's been fun listening to teachers who are like, you know, I took for granted the time I actually get to spend with my kids. And when you have this precious time with your kids, the last thing you should be doing with it is deliver content. Trying to teach a new lesson, trying to go through your PowerPoint slides isn't going to work. There's no research to support it. In fact, the only research I have been able to find is to show that it actually disengages kids at an all-time high, that they don't pay attention. If I'm just going to sit here, doing a lecture for an hour in class was not good teaching. <laughs> it's still not good teaching. Like it, it just isn't good teaching. But what is good teaching? So if that's not it, what's good teaching? It's building relationships with kids, right? Let's just start with that. We have to understand some of this stuff hasn't changed. This is the beginning of the school year. It's September 10th. You've been in school seven, five days, whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. Whatever. We need to spend time building relationships with kids. Mm-hmm. And it starts as easy as waving, <laughs> right? Like every time your kids come into your Zoom meeting, are you waving crazy at them? Because one of the fun things is, is when you wave at somebody, they can't help but smile when they wave back. Like there's something that goes with like, hi, and then the, the people just instantly smile and you put people into a, a relaxed state, right? So that's like tip number one, wave to your kids when they come in. Yeah, and no matter Ask what them age, how they're doing. And no matter what age, no it matter doesn't what matter age. what age. There's no age requirement for waving. You no. wave. You wave. Yeah. And then we're going to spend our time building relationships. We're going to be spending our time talking with our kids. We're going to be doing a lot of group work, a lot of collaborative work. If you're using a program like Zoom, you've got the ability of breakout rooms. And I love using breakout rooms with kids. And I know there's a lot of teachers who are like, yeah, but I can't monitor what's going on in every breakout room. Well, if you use small groups in your classroom, you can monitor everything that was going on in the small groups anyways. Like the only difference is you could see them. You weren't monitoring what was being said, but you could see them. And the only difference is now is you just, you can't see them. But if they were going to screw off in your classroom, and I would say that had to do with the structures that you put in place, the same problem is going to happen in a Zoom. But if you have tight structures, right? really tight protocols and structures around the way that you run your Zoom meetings or your Google Meets or name your program, we see kids engage. We see kids engage at all levels. You're absolutely right. And I have, so with me only having, you know, a couple of days in with my students and everything, I'll tell you. So I have my music going when kids are entering the room. I have put on a poll so in, Love it. and I've been doing like wonky polls. Today's polls yes. for my students were, you know, who is your favorite Marvel super character or superhero? And, and I'm pretty fortunate. I have two high school age daughters myself. So last night, as I was creating this attendance poll, uh, I'm listing off all the characters that I could remember. And the only one <laughs> that really comes to my head is, you know, Takala and Iron Man. Those are... Yeah. Those are my people right there. That's it. <laughs> that, that's it. I'm like, everybody else is just wrong after that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Then and my daughters were, go, they were listing out, you know, oh, you can't, he's Spider-Man and all these other <laughs> characters. So I had like 10 or 12, you know, characters. 
And, you know, as the kids came in, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm waving, got the music going, trying to make it kind of a party-esque atmosphere for Zoom. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, so as soon as you guys get in, I want you guys to take that poll, you know, as part of your participation points. And <laughs> just, oh, and then, and then I told him, I go, there is a right answer, though. <laughs> and a lot of them, honestly, they don't have their cameras on. And I'm like, it's fine, whatever. I'm not going to beat up over this because they're here. That's all I care That's right. about right now. That's right. We uh, just want kids to show up. Yeah. And we first have to have them engaged before they're going to do some learning, right? And so showing up is our first criteria. We've got to have you show up. Yeah. And even, the, you know, the idea of having music playing, there is research, even in your physical classroom, mm -hmm. about how you can set the tone of what's going to happen today when there's just some music when you enter the classroom, right? Yeah, That's no, such a great tip. I love playing music. Even you know, for the last you know, three years, being in the, an actual classroom setting, I've always had music going because there's just something about setting that tone. Kids walk in, they hear some beats, and then they're like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. All That's right. So good. Not bad. Yeah. yeah and they take the poll and I give them like, I wait a good five minutes, honestly, before I even start a lecture, which I wouldn't even classify as a lecture at all. I'm just kind of going over what is in our teams because my district, we are one of the 15% here in Washington State <laughs> in Microsoft district. And it is painful, very yeah. painful. But they take the poll and then we just kind of have casual conversations and welcoming everybody as everybody's coming in. And, and then we kind of carry on. And then in the middle of my 45 minute, or now it's actually even reduced to 35 minute class time with my students, I am, what am I doing? Oh, I do attendance in the, I did attendance in the middle of my class today because I'm like, hey, I want to bounce all over the place. I don't want them to ever feel like, I want to keep them on their toes, I guess, always. Yeah. I was like, hey, I threw a picture up onto a screen share with them. And, I'm, and it was a screenshot of like 15 different faces, you know, of the emotion, the range of emotions. Yeah. And I had, <laughs> I had written on them, you know, from one to 15. I go, hey, type in the chat. Tell me where you're at. What are you feeling right now? And I, I was it. getting a lot of ones, twos, sevens, a couple of 15s, you know, I'm all over the place. And it's just yeah. good stuff because honestly, I just want to do relationship building, like you said. Well, and I think, you know, at the beginning of the year, that's what you'd have been doing. That's what we'd have been doing in our classrooms anyways, right? We'd have been taking time to get to know our kids. And I think there's a lot of different frames. I like to call them frames, right? Like there are different frames that you can use. And if you are in a situation where kids are in a lot of Zoom meetings, like one of the things I, and I, I can't say this enough about your school district is, you know, you, you only have 30 minutes with your kids. That's all you need. It's not, you can't do an hour. Nobody likes an hour of Zoom. Everybody's going to have Zoom fatigue. So we want shorter time periods inside our Zoom meetings. And then within that, especially at the beginning of the year, what we're doing is we're building routines. So you use the idea of using a poll at the beginning, right? And right now your poll is fun because we're building, you know, rapport and we're, built, we're building a strong classroom culture. But you can still use that. Now that you've got kids used to that, three weeks from now, kids are going to enter with a poll and the poll can be around your content because now you've learned this is our entry task, right? Entry tasks still work. What is your entry task when kids are coming in to your Zoom meeting, right? Into your meeting. Think about that. Have an entry task ready to go. There should be an entry task. You can put it into a PowerPoint. It can be on a PowerPoint slide. 
It can be in a poll. The other thing we want to think about, and this is something that I, I love, is this idea of music or like you were, your poll was about superheroes. Mm-hmm. What we want to do and what we need to do is we need to engage students and we have to invite student culture into our classrooms. And this is one of the reasons why that even before we went into the pandemic, especially at the high school level, especially at the high school level, we were seeing an all-time high with the disengagement of the educational system, right? And, and, there, and I don't remember exactly what the number is, but it was something like 28% of high school kids said they were actively engaged in learning in the high school. And I believe a big part of that was, is there has been a massive disconnect between student culture and the culture of schools. What we need to do is, especially when kids are learning from a distance, we have to find a way to invite student culture into our classroom. One way you do that is by the music that kids listen to. Mm -hmm. So maybe what we're going to do, because we live in 2020 and we have these incredible tools that I didn't have in 2002, (laughs) is maybe we're going to set up a Spotify playlist where everybody in the class can share school-appropriate music, Mm -hmm. and we're going to create a playlist that we're going to pick a song. And you know you're going to come to my Zoom meeting, and, and it's a song that you've chosen, that your classmates have chosen. This is a playlist you can study to when you're in your asynchronous time. And by doing little things like that, we invite student culture into our classroom. The other thing that we know about this generation to be thinking about is they actually communicate, most of their communication is done through memes and GIFs. Mm-hmm. And so we have to find a way to bring that into our classroom. So I had a, uh, a ELA teacher, right? An ELA teacher just shared with me. She's like, you're going to love this one. She had students find an animated GIF of how you give a handshake or if somebody tried to shake your hand in the age of COVID, what's an animated GIF that would sum up your re- reaction? And they are hilarious. It's fun, but here she has kids thinking from an ELA standpoint, right? She has kids thinking through, okay, how do I take what would I do or how I would react? I have to go find an animated gift that is school appropriate and there's millions of them out there, mm-hmm. right? And be able to apply that in a new situation. And she's building culture. She's inviting, she's like, she's understanding that this generation uses memes and gifts. And I don't care what you teach. You can somehow create a situation in your Zoom meetings where you're, you say, here's the question. But instead of answering it in words, or instead of answering it X, Y, and Z, go find an animated GIF that you then have to explain how that ties back to the question I'm asking you. I love that. And, and you will see engagement go, because they're just like, what? I get to go search through GIFs? This is the coolest teacher ever. Right? We understand oh, I can do that. I can, I can, I can spend a whole day do that. doing that. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, well, find an animated GIF that represents mitosis. I don't know. I don't care. Just figure it out. That's problem solving. That's decision making. That's those are those 21st century skills that our students have to have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you just gave me another trick. (laughs) There you go. Right. Just, but it's a good frame. It's a good frame. And you know, you have, it sounds like you've got two really good co-teachers that you live with in your daughters. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they're my co-teachers right now. Like, Hey, what's cool. Mm -hmm. You got to cool me up a little bit here because my kids, I got to bring the cool factor to these Zooms or or to keep kids engaged. And we're going to have to, and we're going to have to think about how are we going to do this in a way, because we have to understand that right now what we're competing against is Minecraft and Fortnite to just name two, right? Yeah. And in Minecraft and Fortnite, you have infinite choice over what you do and how much time you want to spend there. 
you get to decide where you go to learn. You get to decide what battles you want to go or who do you want to go with. You have infinite ownership over your learning. And it's something we have to remember that when we are creating structures, especially when kids are in front of us, we have to have the lens of what ownership do they have in their learning. And if kids don't have ownership in their learning, we are going to see disengagement. We already have seen it before the pandemic and we'll see it again. So we're going to have to find ways to give kids ownership in the learning over the pace or the path, which is why instructional videos is where we deliver new content. The instructional videos allow kids to control the pace of learning. Well, and they also get to go back and rewind and re-listen. You know, this is great for, you know, special education. This is, this is where special education should have been. Yes. 100%. Yeah. That is just, oh gosh, you said something in one of your, uh, your podcast webinars that you, it was, oh gosh, whatever episode it was, but just in time learning. Yeah. And that is education right there. Instead of being forward thinking, which for CTE, that's where we're at. We're always trying to be forward thinking and think outside of the box versus what education, the institution of education has always been. Yeah. And I think especially from a CTE lens, you know, this idea of just-in-time learning, I mean, this is what, this is our struggle. This is why, you know, what this pandemic has done is it has forced the disruption that we knew was coming already to education. If you can go back and you can start reading articles about this disruption, I mean, I've been writing about this since 2005, that this disruption was coming to education. Little did I know it was going to take a pandemic to actually get us there. But, you know, we saw this coming in the fact that what what was happening, and we were seeing this, what was happening is there was coming a larger and larger disconnect between the way that schools ran and the skills, attitudes, and dispositions kids needed, right? Our job is to prepare kids for college, career, and life. And that is, that's from here in the state of Washington, that is what's come down, right? Your job is to prepare kids for college, career, and life. And the problem is, is we live right now in a time period where you learn things the moment you want to learn it. And we are still expecting in many of our schools and in many of our classrooms, we're expecting kids to learn stuff just in case someday they need to learn it. And this has been the transition is we are now all, every single one of us is having to learn the moment we need to know it. And that is the largest transition. And you have to look no further than every single time you watch a YouTube video to learn how to do something, you are learning the moment you need to do it. And we have to understand we are teaching a generation that has grown up understanding that they can learn something the moment they need to know it. So if I'm a CTE teacher and I'm talking about, I don't know, shop, let's say I'm a shop teacher. I want kids to know how to run plumbing and you're going to learn it now and you're going to apply it now. What we really, what we talk about just in time learning is we have actually closed the gap to learning like knowledge acquisition and the amount of time it takes to apply that. Because of instructional videos, aka YouTube, we now learn and apply in the same moment. It's literally simultaneously. It's not like you have to sit in class for three days and then you get to apply it on a test on Friday. No, no. You learn it and apply it the moment you learn it. You want to learn to bake something, then you go bake it. Mm-hmm. You watch the instructional video and you go do it right there, right then. Right? And if you need to watch the video a hundred times, you watch it. It's how we all learn right now. Yeah. It's how we were learning already. And we are being forced for better or for worse. I would say for better, for better, or for worse. We're being forced to transition into this world where a, we're not going to have all the answers. B we're learning along with our kids and C you have access to the most incredible resources, this thing called YouTube, 
where you can learn from anybody, not just my culinary teacher, from like all the culinary teachers. <laughs> yeah, Gordon Ramsay. You just got to yes. you know, blip out his, uh, the language. That's all. Yeah, yeah, that's all. <laughs> Every other word. <laughs> <laughs> but if kids are watching them at home, that's not on school time. Yeah. They're probably watching them in here already. Right? Yeah, you're good. You're good. No, I, I love that. And, you know, just to put into perspective about the YouTube just last week. So my son, I, so I have four kids. So my 12-year-old son, he has been kind of wigging out for his birthday. His birthday is September 1st. So for his 12th birthday, his opa got him like some really sweet gamer headset. Cool. Yeah, like it's top notch. And I'm like, Gabe, can I borrow that? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no. Well, so for somehow, some way, he plugged it in to his Xbox controller and he wasn't getting sound. Well, I told him, I go, I don't know. I, I fiddled around with it the best that I could. And I was like, oh, I'm done. You figure it out. By golly, what did that boy do? He went on to YouTube. He watched a couple of videos. He figured it out in 10 minutes just by watching a couple of short videos. And he was able to make that connection. And he, he did it, and which completely surprised me. And I'm like, way to go. Way to show some initiative and really apply it. Good job. What'd you learn? He's like, I learned how to, how to manipulate. <laughs> yeah. Right. The other side to that, especially if we're talking about, you know, CTE programs mm-hmm. is understanding that one of the skills that kids need to have today, and this is all of us need to have it, but specifically this generation is how to make a good video. If you want to be a, you like working on cars and you want to be a car mechanic, you better know how to make a YouTube video right? If you want to work on equipment, you better know how to make a YouTube video. You want to be a chef, you better know how to make a YouTube video, right? You want to sew or you want to make clothes, you better know how to use Instagram. Like you want to do art and drawing, you better know how to sell yourself on the internet. We have to understand that that is a, a revenue stream for every single one of our kiddos, or it's a way of getting noticed. And we have to understand that you don't and, and especially after this pandemic, you don't turn in your resume somewhere. You go to this place called LinkedIn. And as CTE teachers, are we supporting kids in setting up a LinkedIn profile? The latest research, the last research that I have found comes from 2017 that showed that 94% of every hire that happened in 2017 had some connection through LinkedIn. Just think about that for a second. The age to start a LinkedIn profile, 16. Mm-hmm. So we should be having kids set up LinkedIn profiles, teaching them, oh, you want to be a chef? Fantastic. Why don't you go out and connect with other chefs? See what they talk about. See how they are professional in what they do. Oh, you want to you be in agriculture. You want to be you know, in construction. Go find companies. They're going to find you through there. They're not going to be hanging a sign down at the want, work wanted store. Mm-hmm. And we've got to update this idea. If we're truly preparing kids for college, career, and life, then you need to be ready for careers. And if you need to be ready for careers, where are people going to hire your career? And we've got to be there, right? Yeah. And we've got to help kids get there. And, it's, and the disconnect is, that's not how it works for us. And especially in education. Education is like one of the only industries I've found that doesn't use LinkedIn, <laughs> That's crazy. Gosh. Well, I have to say it's only been, gosh, I set up a LinkedIn profile oh, a couple of years ago, I want to say. 
it's only been it, honestly because of the podcast that all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I need to start upping my my LinkedIn profile. And I'm learning how to navigate all these new social media platforms and figuring out like, oh, I just I just released my first but email newsletter for or yeah. email marketing campaign today. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know at some point it's going to work itself out. And yeah. I'm just, we're all learning all these new skills. And that is something I think, you know, as teachers, we all need to be sharing that we're all learning something and uh, figuring out good. what that takeaway is. And then sharing that with our students going, you know what, I'm learning right along with you. I'm not an expert in this and, you know, eat some humble pie. It's okay. Yeah. We do not have to be, you know, professionals when it comes to the technology realm, because we're not, we were trained <laughs> to do everything in person. That was the whole point of student teaching. Absolutely. And I think what we're going to see come out of this is this will forever be a choice mm-hmm. for some families. And, you know, we, we saw this work and we're still seeing this work. I'll just use my goddaughters as example, who are both high school, who are both high school age. They're coming to visit this weekend. And all of a sudden they're like, but we don't have to go home on Sunday because we can learn from anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, as long as you have an internet connection, you're in quote unquote school. Mm-hmm. And not that they will be they're they're going to go home, but they're starting to already think about this idea of, okay, well, what does this mean, right? Well, what does it mean? Do I need to go to school? And I want kids to go to school 100%. And for 99.9% of our kids, they're going to want to go back to school. We want them back in school. But you are going to have some families for whatever situation that are going to come out of this and be like, you know what? This is actually better. And here's some of the data that we have here in the state of Washington. When we shut down schools, so for those of you who aren't in the state of Washington listening, we shut down schools on March 17th was our first day of closed school. And we were closed for the rest of the school year. I have three stories from our state where kids actually met their graduation requirements because of the pandemic. These were kids who were not showing up to class. These were kids who were not engaged and they were not going to have enough credits to graduate high school. And because of the pandemic, they were able to work the full-time job that they were working, which is why they weren't getting up at 7.30 to come to class, taking care of their families, and still graduate. And we saw that this system works for some kids and some families. As we move forward, we need to use this time as, and I keep telling teachers, like this is our action research project. Our goal right now is to figure out what works and what kid needs this and what kid needs that. And like you're saying, you know, in your Zoom meeting, try something and then ask your kids, especially at the high school level, Ask your kids, like, was this cool? Did you like that? What did you like? What did you not like? Oh, okay, that's a great idea. I'll adjust this for next time. Like, get the feedback, right? Use this as an action research project because I got news for you. It's not going away. Zoom is not disappearing anytime Zoom off of anybody's radar. Even when we go fully back to back, you can still be using this and you're going to have kids. I mean, what does this do? We were just having a conversation the other day with the district. What does this do for snow days? (laughs) Right? (laughs) There's no snow day. Oh, but there's internet outage days because I can tell yeah. you yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, my house, one of the transformers knocked out my community, two of the communities. And it was like, I woke up and going, and my sons came in, they're like distraught because they couldn't get on Fortnite that morning. And <laughs> I'm like, what? There's no internet and check my phone. And sure enough, there's no internet. And so I was able to get up my hotspot, but 
I don't have access to give my kids laptops or any of that kind of stuff, hotspots. So I just called the school and I'm like, you need to set out a robocall, uh, letting them know that internet is out. So school will not, or attendance will not matter that day. But in the, in the, in the funny thing is the, the secretary, she's like, oh, I'll send an email out. I'm like, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind no of internet. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. My internet's out is the new, the dog ate my homework. Yeah. It really <laughs> is. And mute and unmute and yeah. oh, oh, it's asynchronous and synchronous. That's becoming the new curse word for uh, 2020. Yeah, for sure. Along with other things, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But so, how can people, my people, my FCS people, my CTE people, how can they hook up with you? Yeah. So I, the best place to go is shiftingschools.com. That is where we are running all sorts of trainings. You will find all kinds of amazing free resources, especially on Twitter. If you follow at shifting schools on Twitter, our amazing social media person, Trisha Freeman is creating all kinds of free protocol books. There's a book on what are these, these frames, we call them frames, frames that you can use inside your zoom meetings. If you scroll back through, you will find them. They are free PDFs that we're producing. There's free PDFs on structuring feedback within a Zoom so that you can have kids actually do take a look at the piece of work that they've done and actually go through a feedback protocol that works from a distance. I mean, they also work in the classroom, but they work from a distance. So those are some places. And then know that we're doing you know really in-depth training. So we are actually getting ready to, when we're recording this, we're opening up another round of our shifting schools trainings. And these are the trainings that we've taken over 10,000 teachers through. They will start uh, September 21st and the 2.0 training, the 1.0 training, we've kind of retired because 1.0 was like emergency distance learning and preparing for school. School's here. So that one we've retired to 1.0. So we're jumping right into 2.0. And what, we're, what it is, is it's eight trainings over eight weeks. We're just really slowing it down. And it's not about, we, we meet for one hour in a Zoom once a week, but that's not really where the learning happens, of course, because that no new content over a Zoom meeting. So our Zoom meetings are where we get together, we have conversations like this, we have structures, we support you in your understanding, but every one of these comes with a very, and I'll use the word heavy, heavy module (laughs) of resources and readings and videos to watch around feedback and assessment. So that's that's a great place. We also do a free weekly webinar. So I literally, we just got done with this week's webinar right before you and I are recording. So we usually hold those Thursdays at four o'clock Pacific time. And if you're over at the Shifting Schools website, you can sign up for the newsletter and then you'll, you'll we'll let you know every time that, that there's a new podcast out. So we have uh, all kinds of people on. Today was about STEM and doing STEM activities at home with kids and I engaging families Ooh. in STEM activities. Ooh, can you share like a STEM activity with us? Yeah. So this was really cool. This was from, she's, uh, oh, I'm going to forget, Deborah is her name. And I'm forgetting her company name, STEM Core, sorry, STEM Core LLC. She's out of the Tri-Cities there, out of Pasco, uh, where you're located. And she is really awesome that she has all of these STEM activities that you can do where they're based around books. So she was even talking about like, she's already put together a whole like STEM activity around viruses. And she's got, so there's a book called Fever that kids can read. And you would might read this as part of your ELA or you read this with class and it's all about the, the Spanish flu. And so you'd be engaged in reading, research, but also be thinking about how is this comparing and contrasting it to what we're going through now. And you just think about what are the opportunities 
to have kids come up with, okay, why are we approaching things a certain way? You know, why are there so many steps that you have to get a, a vaccine before a vaccine hits the market? It's got to go through all these trials. Where does that come from? What, what is the history we have in this, in this country that allows us to do that? And where did that come from? Because of things that have happened in the past. So it's really cool because, uh, and she has the resources. They'll be over, they're over on our web. Well, they will be in, in about 24 hours from now. So, but she released, she's got a whole list of STEM books that you can read with kids and STEM activities you can do at home. I think it's because it's the beginning of the year. We're talking a lot about what is the, you know, back to school kit. So instead of having your like classroom kit of here's what you need to bring to the classroom, we're talking about what do you need? What's your at home learning kit? And right now I'm thinking like cardboard is my number one on my list. I want kids, I think almost everybody's got cardboard now. Thank you, Amazon, Amazon. right? But you could do so much with cardboard. You can build stuff with cardboard. You know, I could probably, you could teach shop with cardboard. Kids don't have cars to work on. You go build a car out of cardboard. You know, I mean, just think about what you can do with cardboard and tape and duct tape and a, a glue stick and the plastic containers that the cookies from Safeway come in. You know, I mean, no, you're, you know, all this kind of. Great, that is, great at home learning stuff. No, that is. And so for my content, so this trimester, I'm teaching only two sections. I say that lightly. <laughs> I'm teaching uh, foods and nutrition one. So I'm teaching kids how to cook. And I actually had a student write me an email last night. She's like, Miss, I don't mean to you know, sound rude or anything, but why are we talking about you know, FCCLA, which is our student leadership organization? I thought this was a cooking class. <laughs> I'm like, don't worry. We're just going over technology and we're going about, we're talking about, you know, our student leadership program for the first two to three weeks, because honestly, there's a whole lot of learning that is happening right now. And I don't want to dive into content until I have you guys trained up on our technology pieces and just kind of giving you a little bit of background information. Yeah. 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 And then I, I teach interior design and I get the kick out of, you know, it's for whatever reason, I, do, I don't understand, you know, OSPI and what all it is that it entails. But interior design should be a STEM program. We yeah. should be articulated with STEM and be able to get that STEM credit. But it's not. Because in my class, I have my kids, they're actually building shoebox houses. They are going on to like floorplanner.com and they, they design a floor plan, their dream house. And I tell them, I go, hey, whatever you put down on, on your digital paper, your blueprint, you have to build that. And then we kind of take it step by step afterwards and, and they do it and they yeah. have so much fun with it just because with cardboard, hot glue gun, you know, different fabrics or twine, a lot of um, oh floss. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's all uh, popsicle sticks. There's all sorts of stuff, uh, plastic, milk jugs, all sorts. Well, and I just keep thinking like you're teaching interior design and these kids are stuck inside their room. Mm-hmm. If only there was some way they could redesign their bedroom. And I'm even thinking like, because my wife and I do a lot of renovations ourselves, mm-hmm. you can get free samples of paint down at the Home Depot. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, just a little, little, little So maybe you're going to get a couple little jars and you're going to try on a different, you know, what is going to be the palette of your, of your, I mean, this is interior design stuff, right? Yeah. Like just be thinking through that. There's so much great stuff you can do. So much good stuff. Well, in at the gosh, during COVID spring, I was just sending, you know, sending kids activities going, Hey, I want you to take a picture, a before picture of 
like a nightstand or a dresser of just, I don't care how dirty it is and messy. I want you to take a before picture and then I want you to take an after picture of organization. I want you to organize it. And that I got so many parents emailing me going, oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I'm just thinking, you know, especially when you're talking about that kind of stuff, I, there's a Trish Richmond out of Medford. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Tisha Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tisha. Man, family she's family a, consumer science. Yes. Awesome. She's amazing. And her. so one of the things I always think about now when I'm talking with family consumer science stuff is she gamifies everything. And I'm just thinking like to your idea, like interior design, I just keep thinking of HGTV. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking of trading spaces. So now I'm thinking about, okay, I got to set up some way where my one student, because they've pretty much all got phones. I'm just going to say we're at 99% yeah. phone in, you know, yeah. in, especially in high school. So I want every one of my kids needs to take a 360 degree view of their bedroom. And then you're going to trade that with another student and do a virtual trading spaces. And then your other person has to design the bedroom for you. Oh, I love it. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. And, but Again, that is where we have to really, we have to break down those barriers of and build that trust to yeah. have that happen because I'm sorry, not everybody is going to be like, I'm, I'm not sharing my room. I had, no, honestly, I had some students who they share their room with three other siblings yeah. in a small bedroom where there is no walls. They have, it's a curtain that separates. Yeah. So that's going to be a hardship. I know later on, if that we were to do something like that, we're going to choose a room in your house. Choose a room, a room in your room. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I I would just start like, I'm already thinking, I'm like, okay, what are the other HGTV programs? Cause that's all. Don't you remember back in the early two thousands, there was Ty around and I don't know whatever happened to him, but I loved his energy. I loved his stuff. And he would go and he was here in the Pacific Northwest a lot. Yeah. But he had a great show and I think he actually still has some sort of show. I don't get a whole lot of time to watch TV anymore. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the nature. But I think there's just so many opportunities, you know, to think about college career and life mm-hmm. and how do we make sure, I mean, this is the, you are probably sick and tired of me saying this, but how do we just make sure that we're preparing kids for their future and not our past? And that is such a lens. And right now we are being thrown into a time period when we really have to take a step back and say, is what I'm teaching kids preparing them for their future or my past? Because it's going to be different. The research that has even come out, I mean, even things like they just did a big survey of these companies around America. And the survey came out in like July, July 15th, I want to say, or July 14th, that they surveyed these companies. 82% of companies in America say that working from home will always be an option for their employees after this. 47% said it's going to be a permanent way of doing business. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about preparing students for their future and not our past, are we preparing kids not to go to an office for a job, but that your job, it might be from working at home. Mm -hmm. That's going to go for interior designers. That's going to go from knowing how to help somebody fix a car because you can make more money probably on YouTube than you can going and opening up an auto shop. Are we thinking through this and are we giving kids the skills they're going to need in order to make this pivot that we are going to see? I mean, we, even here in the state of Washington, we have the, a lot of people might know we have the outdoor sporting wear store called REI 
they were building a brand new office building, never moved into it and have already sold it Mm -hmm. and said, our workers are actually more productive from home, which research already showed was happening. And they want to live. They don't want to have to commute in the horrible Seattle traffic. Yep. (laughs) So all of a sudden, all these people have to figure out how do you create a home office? If I was the interior designer right now. You're making bank right now. Yes. But I'm now thinking if I'm an interior designer teacher, designing home offices. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, that's, uh we need those people. Focus on it. What would that look like? What's your interior? Oh my gosh. You just think about what, what are the possibilities we have? Well, gosh, my neighbor, he's a handyman and he's like, he's booked out. No joke. He is completely booked out in through March of next year, which, and he's been, he's had his contracting business for quite a few years, but he's always been, you know, it's always been dead through the winter. Nope. Not in this case. It is full steam ahead. Home offices are being built left and right. I asked him kind of jokingly last night, Josh, I'm like, Hey, you want to design a home office and your mother-in-law and everything for me? He's like, you teach that you do it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, why am I doing this? I don't want to do it. (laughs) It's because I do it all day. I do it all day. Exactly. Well, maybe your kids are going to do it for you. Yeah. There you go. There we go. That'd be a fun little activity. Hey, this is, this is your, oh gosh, your client. And now go give me your best ideas. Yeah. Here, here's the space you have to work with. No, Go into SketchUp and make it work or, you know, floor layout plans or whatever you want. Whatever it is. Oh, I love it. It's great ideas. But, you know, this is the possibilities. You know, we have this technology right now and it was always here. We're just looking at it through a new lens. And yeah, it, is it, can it be scary and overwhelming? Yeah, sure. But it can also be so full of opportunity. So full of opportunity. If we take a step back and we truly look at what's important for kids to know, there's so much that we can do right now. No, you. That's what excites me. Yeah, no, it's exciting. And, you know, for a lot of us who have been talking about, you know, this projection of what is going to happen for the future of education, you know, I swear we just kind of leapfrog 10 years down the road into the future for what we're doing right now. It was always going to happen, but just like you said, it had to, a pandemic, unfortunately, had to spearhead this whole city. Yeah. I agree. No, it has been a delight having you on. And yeah, so you have your shifting schools training 2.0 opening up. Uh, Is it open for registration right now? Yep. It opened up today. It'll close on September 18th. Uh, So if you want to, you can head over there. I've got my own podcast, Shifting Our Schools. I think you were saying you listen to that one as well. So uh, we'll have you on over there too. I will we'll reverse the interview here. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it makes me excited. Um, yeah, that'd be great. So yeah, yeah you can find, I'm out there. <laughs> We're all out there. <laughs> well, all right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And this has been just a powerhouse of a conversation. That's, I love these kinds of chats. Awesome. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In this podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. 
Each week, I will choose one special person to win some Connect FCS Ed swag. So be sure to add your name to the review, and I will reach out to you if you're the winner. Thanks again for spending your time with me today, and be sure to visit me at fcspodcast.com for past episodes and more gifts to help spread the word that family and consumer science is today's home economics.